Well, that was awesome. <laughs> um, I don't need this yet. Uh, I'll need it eventually, though. Don't worry. Um, yeah, so last day of Burdensome series. Uh, really excited about that. Um, we, I've decided to officially change the name, though, on our last week because uh, I just really liked Michael's better. So uh, we're going to change it from, like, Burdensome Strike Through uh, to, like, it's going to be Burdensome no, so that's what it's going to be from now on. If you guys refer back to this series at all, just burdensome question mark, no. So if you weren't here for Michael's sermon, this makes no sense. Uh, actually, it just doesn't make sense either way. But um, I'm going to pray uh, just one more time for this sermon uh, real quick, if that's okay. Uh, Lord Jesus, I pray uh, now that you would fill me with your spirit just to be uh, clear and uh, bold and competent uh, to share your word well. I just pray for uh, all of us to be able to receive what it is that you have to say to us today, that you would transform our minds and that you would soften our hearts to be fertile soil to receive what it is that you have for us today. Jesus, we love you and we pray this in your name. Amen. So, um, me and Maritza have been going down uh, this, this, we've only been married for about a year and a few months now, uh, but the Lord has kind of been taking us down just some cool, some cool paths, showing us some cool things and already, and, and one of those things has been about generosity, and uh, just the Lord has, has taught us a lot, and a little bit before we got married too, about the importance of giving, uh, sowing and reaping, and uh, the whole principles that you can't outgive God and teaching us about the tithe and all that awesome stuff. Um, but he's been stretching us uh, a little bit more uh, in recent months. Um, so I was at work one day here uh, in the office. It was the middle of the week, and um, some people came up and knocked on the door, which is like, it happens every now and then. Um, and they just came in, and they're like, hey, you know, we need a little bit of cash to help us, you know, get uh, we got this U-Haul over here. We just got, you know, thrown out of our place, and we have nowhere to put our stuff, and we need to take this U-Haul truck back. So we just need some money for gas, and we need some money to uh, open up a storage unit so we can have a place to put our stuff for a little bit while we're looking for a place. And so I was like, yeah, we can do that. That sounds like, you know, not too big of a stretch. And so we go, we filled, them up, filled up their, uh, their truck with some gas, and we took them to the storage unit, and they were super grateful um, they thanked us a lot, and uh, we exchanged phone numbers and stuff like that. And um, a few months later, got another call from them, and uh, they were like, hey, you know, uh, we need a ride. Um, we're trying to get some good jobs, but we, it's kind of hard without transportation. We found this car for like 200 bucks. It's really awesome. You can come with us. We'll show it to you. Um, the guy's a mechanic, so he's like, I just need to fix this one part, and, you know, we'll get it taken care of. So I was like, we prayed about it a little bit, and we're like, okay, we have have the money? Let's do it. Let's, let's give it to them. And so gave them the money, and they went out and got the car, saw the car. It was a really, really good car for 200 bucks, um, and it was running. It was great, stuff like that. Uh, and so we just kind of went back to our lives again. Well, um, we got a call. Like, just there were several more calls within the next few months about, hey, the car's broke down. We need a little bit of money to fix the car. Uh, we ended up giving it to them that time. Um, and there was just, you know, a few more other things. But there was a moment uh, about a year after that, after I first met them, where they called me and they're like, hey, uh, our storage unit, we haven't been able to pay for it, and so they're about to auction off all the stuff that's in our storage unit, and so we need uh, a few hundred dollars to get that, 
get our stuff out. And I'm like, this is really ironic. I paid to open up this uh, storage unit, and now I'm having to pay to get all their stuff out of the storage unit. Uh, and so I was not super confident about this one. Um, we had given them money several times, and uh, I knew they weren't taking it to do drugs or anything like that. Uh, I kn- knew them pretty well, and, you know, you can just kind of tell um, with that kind of thing. But, um, you know, but at this point, I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I, 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 yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I wasn't feeling confident about giving it to them this time. And so I called Maritza, and I was like, hey, how do you feel about it? Um, this is kind of the situation. And she was, you know, she was on the same boat. She was like, I, you know, I don't know. Like, this is going on a little too long. And so I was like, she's like, do whatever you want. And so I hung up, and I was like, we have the money? <laughs> like, let's just do it. All right, let's get a little crazy. And so we gave them, gave them the money, and uh, we, I was driving home, and I was just kind of wrestling with, like, did I do the right thing? Like, am I, like, just getting seriously taken advantage of? And all y'all are sitting there like, yes, you are. You need to stop that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm sitting there, and uh, I'm, I'm, you know, driving home, and I'm like, man, I could be giving this money elsewhere. We could be using it uh, for other more important things, and um, just kind of wrestling with that, and uh, just a little bit after that thought crossed my mind, the Lord put somebody on my heart who had just kind of been betrayed in a way, and so I wanted to send them a verse, an encouraging verse, you know, I just wanted to send them uh, the passage in Matthew 5 about uh, loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you, um, just kind of like to encourage them. And so I was like, what, what verse is that? What is that? And so I was driving home, and I was like, I'm pretty sure it's Matthew uh, 5.42. And so uh, I go home, and mind you, I'm still struggling, wrestling with like, did we do the right thing, giving these people the money? Like, I feel really dumb. Uh, and so I Google Matthew 5.42, and it's not love, bless those who persecute you, or, you know, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, the verse that popped up was the verse before that verse, and it said, give to the one who asks you, and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. (laughs) I was like, okay, Jesus. (laughs) And so, needless to say, I felt okay about it after that. Um, This message today is going to be about that verse and some of the surrounding verses uh, around give to the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And like I said, this is kind of like a journey that the Lord's been taking me and Maritza on just very recently, and so it's very new to me. I don't have like a whole bunch of testimonies about it or like this sermon isn't like super polished or anything like that. What I'm hoping is just kind of get up here and like share what the Lord's been showing us uh, and hope that maybe it can be an encouragement. Um, So yeah. Without any further ado, let's look at the full passage. Uh, Go to Matthew 5, uh, 38, I think. Yeah, Matthew 5, 38. Here's the whole thing. It says, You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anybody wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So we're kind of like diving into the middle of the Sermon on the Mount right now. Um, Jesus has been going through some of the old uh, laws that were um, part of the old Mosaic law, and he's kind of revamping them a little bit. He's kind of up in the ante, uh, and he's going through, and he's saying things like, hey, you heard that Moses said you shouldn't murder. Well, I'm telling you, if you even hate your brother, 
that's pretty much murdering in God's eyes. And he goes, uh, you know, you've heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. Well, I'm telling you, if you're lusting after a woman, then that is adultery uh, in your heart. And so he's just kind of going around, and he's just revamping and bringing some spice and some flavor back to that uh, old law. Um, and what he's doing here is uh, the same thing. Uh, what he's looking at, he said, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. He is referencing um, a passage from Deuteronomy, uh, and I think we have it up here. Um, yeah, in Deuteronomy 19.21, this is kind of a verse that's just kind of like summarizing all of like the justice uh, system in the Old Testament for uh, the nation of Israel. Uh, and he says, show no pity, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, and foot for foot. Now, if you know what Jesus said right before he said, do not murder, do not commit adultery, and, you know, all this stuff, uh, it kind of sounds like he's saying, you know, old law bad, uh, these new things I'm saying, good. Uh, But right before he says all this, he says, hey, before heaven, until heaven and earth pass away, not one single jot or tittle of the Old Testament law will, will pass away or will be void. And so we know that Jesus isn't saying that, you know, these passages and these Old Testament laws are bad. These Old Testament laws, specifically this one about showing no pity, uh, life for life, tooth for tooth, eye for eye, it was a system established so that there would be justice in Israel. If somebody was taken advantage of, then there was going to be retribution. It was go- there was going to be um, recompense made for, what was, for when they were wrong. So if somebody, you know, um, had a donkey that was killed or stolen, then they'd get a donkey back. I mean, that's, that's the whole idea. Uh, and so this was a good law that was set up. Um, and Jesus, though, is taking it a little bit further. You see, back then, it, it was, the whole idea was eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The idea is, you've wronged me, now what can I get from you? How can I get us even? What do you owe me? But now Jesus is revamping the whole thing, and he's saying, hey, if somebody takes your shirt, where the old law would have said that you need to get a shirt back from them. Jesus is saying, if somebody takes your shirt, Give them your coat as well, which is like pretty, like, it it doesn't make sense very much. It feels kind of jacked up, right? I kind of, when we were talking about the whole burdensome series and wanting to do, sorry, the burdensome no series, this was kind of like the most extreme passage that I could think of, right? Uh, Somebody slaps you on the right cheek, turn them the other also. That is nuts. That is outrageous. And so I thought it would fit in really well into this series. So Jesus is turning things around, and he's saying, we're going to stop asking, what am I owed from this person who wronged me, and totally flip the script and say, you wronged me, what can I do for you? Which is nuts. This is crazy, right? So um, that's our passage that we're going to be looking at today. Um, What is Jesus really asking here, right? Because if we get really specific about it, and we're like, just if we're going to take this super literal and we look at it, Jesus basically just gave us three new rules, right? Uh, if somebody slaps you on the right cheek, not the left cheek, then you need to, you know, turn your other cheek, you know. But if, you know, they slap you on your left cheek, like it's fair game, you can beat the snot out of them. And, you know, if somebody sues you, if somebody really likes your shirt, and they're coming after you in court for it, like, give them your coat. But, I mean, like, if they're suing you for anything else, right, it's not, there's a bigger picture here. Jesus isn't talking about three new specific rules. Jesus is trying to introduce a new way of life to us. And it is a life of extreme, unexpected love. 
Let me ask you this. When was the last time you did something that surprised somebody in a good way? When's the last time that somebody saw you do something or say something where they just went, what's wrong with you? In a good way. <laughs> I hear that from Maritz almost daily uh, in a bad way. Uh, but uh, I think that the whole idea is behind these commandments is that Jesus wants us to start hearing the question, what is wrong with you? What is different about this person? Right? Because this is unusual. When's the last time that you got like, uh, that somebody, <clears throat> that you cut somebody off in traffic and like instead of uh, driving by and, you know, giving you an obscene gesture, they go like, I'm praying for you. Love you. <laughs> it's unusual. And if you saw that, you'd probably like do a double take, right? Because that's not normal. But Jesus is inviting us into not a life of normal. He's inviting us into a supernatural life, following him. Um, it kind of helps to look at one of the examples that Jesus was talking about. He said, if somebody forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. And if you're not like in familiar with first century Judaism, then this doesn't really make much sense. Well, the Jews were under Roman occupation at this time, and so there were always Roman soldiers everywhere uh, marching around, doing their stuff, making sure that nobody's, uh, you know, starting an insurrection or anything like that. Uh, and so they were always, you know, marching back and forth, doing the stuff that they needed to do. And, um, hey, there it is. Um, and so they're always marching around and stuff, and there was this law where a Roman soldier could be carrying his stuff, he's really tired, and if he sees uh, a Jewish citizen walk, walking around, he can walk up to that person and say, hey, you, carry my stuff. And so the Jewish citizen would have to take the stuff, and he would uh, carry the Roman, citizen, the Roman soldier's stuff uh, for him while they walked where he was going, where he was going. The thing was, though, uh, the law only permitted the Roman soldier to make that person carry it one mile. And so after that mile was up, the person had no more obligation. They could just throw the stuff down uh, and walk away. Now, I want you to imagine just for a second that you're one of those Roman citizens, all right? You are in a place where everybody hates you. Well, first off, just imagine, like, Russia dropped in today and, like, just totally took over and started occupying the United States. Imagine how much we would hate them just for being here. Now imagine they come up and ask you to carry their stuff, right, on like a 100-degree, like, Texas in July day, right? Horrible. The typical reaction they would get is, you know, hey, take my stuff. And the person would be like, oh, my God. And just like, you know, they're throwing a hissy fit. They probably throw a little bit of a tantrum, cursing under their breath, just like taking the stuff and, like, you know, just begrudgingly walking the whole way. And they get there. They're like looking at their Apple Watch, and they finally see that they've made it exactly up, like within inches of a mile. They take that last step, and they throw the stuff down, and they just walk away, right? That would, would that be like pretty typical, right? That would be like the normal response. And I'm sure the Roman soldiers or whoever, I don't remember. I'm mixing the illustrations now. The Russians, the Romans, whatever. But imagine now that that's the typical response that every Roman soldier is used to seeing multiple times a day, every single day while he's out there doing his stuff. Now imagine that one day a Roman soldier's like, man, I'm really tired. I've been carrying this stuff a long time. Got a long way to go. Let's get this guy over here. And he goes up to this guy, and he's like, hey, I need you to, you know, hey, carry my stuff. And the guy goes, oh, sure thing, man. Grabs the stuff, and he's like, hey, man, so, like, where are you stationed? Where did you come from? How did you get involved in the Roman army? You got any kids? How, what's your favorite kind of pizza? And just like, 
They didn't have pizza back then, I don't think. Uh, but that Roman citizen, that Roman soldier would be like, what is wrong with this dude? Like, there's something seriously messed up with this guy. But then imagine that they keep on walking, and the guy's just, you know, still, like, chatting it up with him, talking with him, having a great attitude. And they gets to, the Roman soldier notices, all right, here we go. It's a mile. He's like, all right, you're excused. Have a great day. And the guy goes, oh, no, dude, like, you look like you're really tired. You look like you've been going for a long time. Let me take you, let's just go a little bit further. I got a little gas left. Let's go. The soldier would undoubtedly stop and be like, okay, what is wrong with you? Why are you doing this? Why are you being like this? I know you're busy. I know you got stuff to do. You probably have a family and you got to take care of, and you're just wanting to help me, and you're having a good attitude about it. And the guy would say, oh, hey, man, just... You know, Jesus loves me, and he loves you too. That's powerful. That's really big. And this is what Jesus is trying with these commandments to stir up inside of all of us, is this extreme, unexpected kind of love that people are not used to. So I do, I do want to just dive, delve into just for a minute, like, why? Why is Jesus... Uh, calling us into this thing. Why does he want us to live in this kind of like extreme, unexpected kind of radical love? If you know me, I really, really love a good testimony, okay? Like, uh, I love to hear somebody stand up and talk about uh, this amazing thing that God has done in their lives. Specifically, uh, I just love to hear a good God story where somebody walks in like, uh, Mercedes Arvizu, uh, is it still Arvizu? I think, yeah. She, uh, you know, her, the story of her son and just the miracle that was done. Was it Noah? Was that his name? Just, man, the story with her, like if you haven't heard that story, you need to go listen to it. Um, just God miraculously healing her child. I love that stuff because people hear those stories or they witness those stories, they see that stuff happen, and they go, yo, God is real, okay? There was a time, it can be something way smaller. There was a time where me and Blake and uh, who else was there? Was it just you and me? Was it, and uh, Caleb, were you there too? I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm going to forget somebody. But anyway, we were sitting in my house and invited the boys over to play some video games after church, very spiritual. Um, and we're sitting there, and for some reason this day, my Xbox won't work. Like, we're sitting there, and it just, like, won't connect to the Internet, which you have to have the Internet these days to play video games, apparently. And uh, we're just sitting there and trying to make it work, doing everything we can, Googling the problem. The, apparently, the problem didn't exist uh, on Google. We're the only people who ever experienced this thing, ever. Uh, we tried unplugging it, plugging it back in, turning it off, turning it on, waiting 10 minutes, all that stuff. Nothing's happening. We've been doing this thing for, like, 45 minutes. It will not work, all right? And so finally, like, I feel so dumb. I'm like, God, I don't even know if you like video games. I think you might, I think video games might be of the devil. So I feel really stupid uh, praying this. But guys, we're just going to pray that this Xbox works. And so uh, I just walk up there, me and Maritza, and this is so dumb, y'all. We put our hand on the Xbox, and we were like, Jesus, we pray that you make this Xbox work so that we can play Xbox. Because uh, there is nothing else that we can do today. <laughs> But anyway, we, we prayed, Jesus, please heal this Xbox in Jesus' name. Um, we, didn't ch we didn't change anything. We didn't, like, pray and, like, replug it in or and try something. We just prayed. That's all we did. And so we turned it back on, and uh, this message popped up. And I wish I brought the picture, but uh, it said, that didn't work. Please try again. Uh, <laughs> no joke. I'm not even kidding. Uh, I'm like, 
what the heck? And the boys were just like, oh, oh, well, that's not going to work, I guess. I'm like, yo, God is talking to us through an Xbox right now. And y'all are just like, what's, oh, okay, it's not working. Like, all right. And so I was like, y'all, Jesus just told us to try again. It doesn't get much clearer than that, so we're going to try again. And so the Bible says that the prayer of a righteous woman is powerful and effective. And so um, I'm like, all right, Mirza, this time you're praying. Because apparently mine wasn't good enough. And so uh, she came over, and she, I swear, she just prayed the same exact prayer. And she puts her hand on there. She's like, Jesus, please make this Xbox work. In Jesus' name, amen. We turned it on. Bing! It turned on. And we play video games the rest of the afternoon. Uh, and <laughs> but the, the, the craziest part is somebody was just sitting on the couch over there like this, and the Xbox turned on, and he, I don't remember who it was, I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but Xbox turned on, and they go, whoa, God is real! I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, awesome, I've done such a great job uh, as a youth minister uh, that you're just now figuring this out. Um, but the point is, I love to see miraculous things happen, even if it's something as small and dumb as an Xbox turning on. I love to see miraculous things happen because a lot of times it results, not always, people saw Jesus do miracles and didn't believe, but a lot of times people will see it and they'll say, whoa, God is real. And so I love to see miraculous things happen. Um, there's this really awesome verse in 1 Corinthians 14:24. Uh, uh, he says, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everybody is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. And so they will fall down and worship God, explaining, exclaiming, God is really among you. I don't know about y'all, but I live for that. I want to see that happen. I want to be a part of something that God's doing where somebody comes into our congregation and they fall down on their knees and say, surely God is among you. Would that be amazing? And so I live for this stuff. I want to see God do miraculous, amazing, awesome things. That's some, what, there's a sign back there that's saying couplet, and it's flashing. I don't see a couplet, so I'm going to ignore it. Um, so I think that people really can, like, see God whenever miraculous things happen and want him. But I don't think that miraculous things and, like, the, pr the prayers being answered and the people getting healed and stuff like that, I don't think that's the only way that people come to that conclusion, surely God is among you. And I think that it actually can happen just through us doing, like, this unexpected, extreme kind of love that Jesus is talking about. I think that you can love somebody so intensely and so tangibly that they can say, okay, God is real. I didn't see any miracles today, but there is something different about you. I think that somebody, I think that when a homeless person comes up, and they're asking for money, what do they expect from most people? They expect that somebody's going to say they're lazy. They ex they're going to expect that somebody's going to call them a freeloader. They expect that somebody is going to just ignore them. They're not expecting you to say, hey, here's 20 bucks. Do you want to go get lunch with me and we can, you know, we can talk and just have a conversation. I just want to, you know, see how you're doing. And they don't expect that. That's normal. That is extreme, unexpected love. If somebody rear-ends you, and then they try to sue you for $2,000, and you go up to them and you say, hey, don't worry about getting a lawyer. Uh, here's $2,000 and a little bit extra. Jesus loves you. They're going to be like, yo, I was trying to rip you off. Why are you just giving me money and telling me that Jesus loves me? That's extreme, unexpected love. And that's what Jesus is shooting for. 
The problem is, is that when we take this passage, the whole idea of this whole sermon series has been God has these extreme commandments that are like really outrageous. And a lot of times they're so outrageous that we think that we need to explain them away, that they're impossible. Well, they are impossible, but Jesus wants to help them accomplish it. And so, but whenever we don't argue that, whenever we don't explain them away, we get to see the most amazing results happen. So we don't want to be average. We want to do this amazing, radical, unexpected love that Jesus is talking about. I want to read you all something really cool. I'm going to try to do this really quick. Um, this is my favorite book of all time. It's called Chasing the Dragon by Jackie Pullinger. She was a missionary in, uh, in Hong Kong uh, for uh, a long, long time. And she uh, ministered in this place that was called the Walled City. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Um, we've got a picture of it right here. It's coming. Uh, has anybody ever heard of the Walled City before in Hong Kong? Okay, cool. Uh, one. All right. Jerry, you and me. Got this. Uh, so basically this was, I'm going to mess this up a little bit, but just the general idea is that, um, you know, Great Britain was in Hong Kong for a long time. Uh, and this was kind of like a, like, it was a place that was kind of, they didn't really know who it belonged to. It, for a long time, it was controlled by the British government, right? Uh, and when the, the Brits got out of there, they didn't really know who was supposed to take care of this place. The Chinese government didn't really know if it was for them, and uh, the British people who were still left, they didn't know if they were supposed to take care of it. So basically what ended up happening was this became like um, the wild, wild west. There was no authority. There was no law that was in here. Like police, like people would, criminals would be running away from the cops, and if they ran in here, the cops would stop and say, I'm out. They made it. Uh, because this place literally had no law. It was really, really crazy, run by drug lords and uh, all that stuff. So really crazy place, and this Jackie Pullinger lady is so awesome that she said, that's where I want to go. Uh, and so she went there and ministered there for many, many years. And Jackie Pullinger understood this kind of unexpected, extreme love that we're talking about. I want to read you just a, a short passage out of here and hopefully convince you to go buy the book. Um, there was, so she's uh, in here, she's talking to uh, this gang member um, who has just decided to give his life to Christ. Uh, and so she says, uh, who is your Dai Lo, David, which is your superior uh, gang officer? Uh, he said, he looked terrified and shifted about in his plastic seat. He won't want to see you. But what is his name, I persisted. His nickname is Jesus, David said out of the side of his mouth, hoping that the others sitting there had not heard him reveal all. But he won't want to see you. Why don't you ask him? If you're going to be a Christian, you can't follow two different leaders called Jesus. You must decide which one. Okay, said David. I'll try to find him. And he went to the telephone. While he waited, David's friends ate pink ice cream and I drank more cups of coffee. At last, David came back looking surprised. He'll see you. You are to go to the block 20 of Chaiwan uh, Resettlement Estate at midnight tonight and find the noodle stall. Someone will meet you and take you to Jesus, but you must take $100. Why the $100? I asked curiously. Well, nobody in Chaiwan knows you. David replied, if not, uh, it's not as if uh, it was the walled city where you were protected. Chaiwan is a very dangerous area at night, and you might get mugged. If you have $100, they will take it and leave you alone. But if you have nothing, they'll be angry and beat you up. Don't be silly, I reasoned. I haven't got $10, let alone $100. i am not taking money. If I'm on God's business, then he will look after me. And this is the biggie. She said, and anyway, if it would help you to understand how much God loves you, then I wouldn't mind dying. I have nothing to lose. 
And this is the reaction we're going for. David looked at me incredulously for a moment and then said, You're crazy. You're mad. But he glanced at his friend, he glanced at his friends and said, We never met anyone who would die for us before. She ended up going to meet that guy with no money. Uh, he became a Christian, and then he went home, shared the gospel with all of his friends there, <laughs> and a bunch of them became Christians. Um, and the reason that that happened was because of extreme, unexpected, radical love from a normal person. So I think the main reason that Jesus is calling us to this extreme love is so that people will see it and say, surely God is among you. Surely God is real by looking at our lives. Now, some of you might be saying, you know, what if I give this money and, uh, you know, I'm not able to pay rent? Uh, focusing kind of specifically on the give to the one who asks you, don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Uh, let me tell you this. That's not going to happen. You got promises to hang on. Uh, we got a really good verse right up here on the screen. Proverbs 11. Uh, I love this verse says, a generous person will prosper. The one who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Let me tell you this, y'all. If you are going to go out on a limb in faith and you're going to try to live in this kind of love, the Lord is not going to leave you high and dry. He's actually going to bless you. This is an opportunity for <laughs> increase for you, actually. There are more passages like this where he says that you who refresh others are going to be refreshed yourself. I got other, several other verses. I'm not going to go into them, but come talk to me later. I'd love to share them with you. They're really awesome. The Lord's not going to leave you high and dry. Finally, there's just one more thing uh, I want to share. In a room this size, there has got to be somebody in here who, are, who is like, if I do this, if I just give to every person who asks of me, if I let every person borrow who asks from me, I'm going to get taken advantage of. And let me tell you, you're not wrong. You probably will get taken advantage of. But let me tell you, let me be the first to welcome you to the life of following Jesus. Jesus himself lived a life of being taken advantage of by everybody. All the people, all the crowds who followed Jesus, you know, we read that like, oh, yes, 5,000 people following Jesus. They all loved him so much. They were around when it was time to eat fish, but they were gone the first second that Jesus talked about eating his flesh. They were gone. Jesus healed the ten lepers that were there on the side of the road. How many came back to thank him? One. Being taken advantage of is part of the Christian life. And let me tell you, it's okay. It's all right to get taken advantage of every now and then. I was, last story, I promise. I was, uh, I was, you know, last week was, was VBS, and so I was at Party City the other day, you know, buying some balloons and stuff, and helium and uh, all that stuff, which we didn't ever inhale, by the way, and make our, our voices sound really squeaky and fun. That would be childish. We didn't do that. Uh, but we went to Party City and got all that stuff, and um, as I'm walking out, sure enough, um, out of nowhere, uh, I hear a voice and said, hey, hey, uh, do you go to church, or are you, are you a minister? I'm wearing my support your local youth pastor shirt, so I don't know if this guy had like a really big prophetic gift or anything, but, uh, and so this guy comes up, and he's like, hey, um, you know, th this church told me that they were going to help me out and put me up in this, this, um, 
this hotel for a couple nights, but they never showed up. You know, could, do you think you could help me out? And, and I was like, of course, like this Sunday when I'm going to be preaching about this, like, of course, the Lord's going to send me. Somebody's going to be asking for lots of money. And so uh, I was like, I can't say no. <laughs> like, not this week, at least, maybe next week. Uh, so I'm like, all right, like, let's do it. Maybe I'll get like some awesome testimony out of it. And I'll be like, yeah, here, here's your uh, hotel room. And the clerk's like, oh, my gosh, this guy's such an amazing person. What's wrong with him? That's my girl voice. Uh, and, you know, somebody, you know, come to Christ, you know, all 20 people come up there and get saved right away. That was what I was hoping to happen. Uh, and so this guy, I take him, what actually happened was, I was like, yeah. And so I take him down to uh, the Super 8, and I'm like, all right, uh, we need a room, please. The clerk looks at this guy the moment he walks in and says, uh, okay, it's going to be an extra $100 because this guy has given us a lot of trouble before. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I getting myself into? Uh, and so we were walking out, and I was like, okay, we'll go somewhere else. I don't want to pay that extra money. And I was like, what's up with that, man? He's like, no idea. I, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I was like, okay, awesome. And so we went to another place, and we found uh, a place for him where they didn't know him, apparently. And... Uh, we got him all checked in and good to go and stuff, and we're, I'm getting ready to walk out. I was like, okay, see you later, and he just walks up to me. I'm not even lying. Like, he just walks up, as a matter of fact, and he's like, uh, yeah, so I need to get some stuff uh, at Walmart and get some groceries and stuff. Like, do you want to stop at an ATM here or, like, somewhere else? And I was like, wow, dude, like, this guy, he's not even asking. He's just, like, assuming that I'm going to, like, you know, it's crazy. It's like, this must be what it's like to have kids, I guess, but... Um, but so I, I was like, man, this guy's like, he's just going for it. All right. And so I was like, yeah, man, like here, here's what I got. I just kind of gave him some cash and stuff. Um, and, then, and then I went away. I went and picked up Paul from Starbucks and stuff. And uh, I was like, man, I really wish that a bunch of people would have got saved in the lobby there at the hotel seeing this awesome deed. Uh, and uh, I was talking to Paul, telling him about all of it. And it's like, yeah, I'm really hoping that maybe it'll turn into a testimony, get to share it, you know, on Sunday or something like that. And Paul's Paul can be really wise sometimes. Uh, don't laugh at that. <laughs> Paul says, yeah, that, that would be a cool testimony. Um, but I don't think every time God's trying to get us a testimony, I think sometimes he's just looking for our obedience. And I was like, wow, I think you're right about that. Um, there's a passage in Philippians 3.10. I'm always looking for the testimony. I want to see God do the really powerful thing. I want to see the person get saved. Uh, I want to see the work that we're putting in pay off in souls saved or people getting healed or whatever. Uh, and I want to see it right then and there. I don't want to have to just pay and not get to see the, the increase right away. But Paul says something really profound in Philippians 3.10. He says, I want to know Christ. Yeah, I'm right there with him. I want to know Christ too. And then he says, yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Yeah, I want to see the power. I want to, say, I want to see the power that raised Jesus from the dead working in my life and in the people around me. And then he throws in this curveball, and he says, and participation in his sufferings. And right there, I'm kind of like, maybe not that one so much. But it's part of it. And for me, too often, I've seen suffering as just suffering and not participation with Jesus' suffering. Paul sees suffering as a way to identify with our Savior, the one who was mocked and beaten and spit upon and ridiculed, the one who was often hungry and the one who had no place to lay his head. 
And what he's saying is, whenever we share in those same sufferings, whenever we give to somebody and we get taken advantage of, and whenever we do something and we don't do something that's really hard and don't get to see the reward of it pay off right away, the testimony there is that you are getting to participate in the same things that Jesus did, and you're being made like him. And that's rich, and it's really good. So let's not be afraid of getting taken advantage of, because we get to join in Jesus with that. And I think a lot of times we're also going to get to see some really cool testimonies happen. So my prayer is that I'll get to see more of this stuff in my life. My prayer is that we'll get to do this all together. We'll get to be that church. I really want to be called that church. Uh, I've had a group of friends, and we get called like that Bible study. And a lot of times it's in like a bad way, but I think it's actually a good way. I hope we're that church that's like full of the crazy people. That they're like, man, those people give so much. Those people give to people, and they're getting, yo, that church is stupid. Like, they don't know who they're giving to. That person is going to use that money, and they're going to do some bad stuff with it. I want to be that church. I'm okay with being that church. I want to be that church that's too nice to people. I want to be that church that lets people in that other people do not let in. I want to be that church that is known for unexpected, extreme love. And I think we can be that church. And I think that the Lord is going to really, really, really bless it. Um, and pray for us that that would be the reality. Jesus, we love you. Um, we thank you that your commands are not burdensome, that you've invited us into uh, your easy yoke and your light burden. Jesus, I pray that you would fill us with the faith that's necessary to lay down our lives uh, on the altar and say, I am going to give, I am not going to turn away for the sake of the kingdom so that I can see Jesus move mightily in our community, in my life. Jesus, we love you. We pray that you would help us because this is something we can't do. But with you, all things are possible. Uh, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.